Welcome to Ride Ever Stride. This is episode 48. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm here again with Master Horseman Van Hargis. And how are you today, Van? Miss Laura, I'm just absolutely wonderful, excited to be here, excited to be alive. I mean, it just couldn't get any better. I'm just, just tickled to death. Well, that's awesome. So The only thing that could be better, I was thinking about this one day, it, wouldn't it be awesome if I could figure out a way to record this while we're riding? I, I would. Wouldn't that be cool? But uh, believe me, though, down here in South Texas, the 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 wind is always an issue. You would have to have like the biggest wind sock in the world, <laughs> you know, around that to to make, to make it clear and crisp for the rider or for the listeners. But I, I thought about that one day. I says, man, it'd be so cool to to be able to do that because oftentimes I'll put my phone in my pocket, but I'll have my earphones on, and I'm out there riding a horse. Taking calls, yeah, um, and and um, it, it's kind of fun. I feel I, I kind of know what you women mean when y'all talk about multitasking. I'm thinking I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm multitasking. I'm doing more than one thing at a time. <laughs> well, you and I have not ridden together in probably six years, so so this could be a challenge for our producer John to figure out a way for us to 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 record an episode on a trail ride or something. And you know what? And I've got the absolute perfect horse for you to, to ride on that too. His name is Dobie. I trained this horse when he was a three-year-old many, many, many years ago. Now I think he's a whopping 15, which is, mm, but he's a good age he, for me. <laughs> yeah. And he's so cool. I mean, he's, he's the most laid back dude you'll ever want to see in your life. He's the one, and I'm not dogging your riding abilities by any stretch of the imagination. It's just that you wouldn't have to think much about what you're doing. You just kind of get on him. And you just think about where you want to go and he just goes. It's not like you just have to override him or you don't have to be, you know, quite so perfect, I guess you could say. I don't know. But he's just one of those that you could just about think it and kind of give a hint as to what you want. And he just kind of goes along with the flow. And uh, he'd be great for you. I mean, we could. That's, we could. We, that sounds perfect. Well, the gauntlet is thrown, John. So I know you're listening. You're, you figure out how we can make that happen. All right. Would but in cool? the meantime... <laughs> What are we talking about today on Ride Every Strike? Hey, just to say, just to tell you that that you can actually do that with your iPhones. To be quite honest, with you, yeah, you could do that with your iPhones, and then what you would do is you would clap into each other's iPhones. You would make a clap like this so it could sync it up, and then you guys could ride and talk, and I would have that audio. So there you go; it can be done. <laughs> there you go. There's that was our producer, folks, and you just heard him say it. It can be done. So that's that's a future episode right there. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that happy note, there's something to look forward to. But I've been looking forward to this episode. So what are we talking about on Ride Every Stride today, Van? Well, it started off with everybody talking about being happy, right? So yeah. that's what we're going to talk about today, believe it or not, Laura, is that how do we know if our horses are happy? This is a question that came to me at an expo we did recently. And uh, the, the presentation that I did was how to create a positive winning attitude in you and your horse. And I emphasized some of the things that I wanted to see change in my horse's behavior, which were, you might know if you've ever ridden a horse that, that, that'll do this. When you ask them to do something, sometimes you'll get either a swish of the tail or you'll get the ears kind of pinned back a little bit. They'll do what you want them to, but they kind of do it with an attitude. 
so the question was, well, how do you, how do you change that? And I demonstrated that to folks about how I just changed that. And oftentimes we have to understand, and again, I'm going to quote one of my heroes, Mr. Jack Brainerd said to me one time that regarding horses, but regarding a lot of things, that in order to affect a cure, you first have to find the cause. So the question was, well, why is your horse swishing his tail? Is it just because he doesn't want to do it or he doesn't fully understand what it is you want him to do? Or why is he pinning his ears? Is it because he doesn't want to do it or he doesn't understand exactly and fully what you really want him to do? So if we can eliminate the fact that it's not from a frustration why the horse is swishing his tail or pinning his ears or kind of acting snotty, and we know that it's just because they don't want to do it, then part of us can say, well, I don't blame you. I wouldn't want to do it either. There's nothing enjoyable about loping circles to a horse. You know, so we have to face the fact that we're asking them to do something that is no benefit to them whatsoever. So we, we have to understand that we're really asking our neighbor for a favor. You know, can I borrow your lawnmower? You know, that type of deal. So there's nothing in it for the neighbor to give you his lawnmower, is there? Well, there's nothing in it for the horse for you to go on a nice leisurely trail ride. It's leisurely to you. You enjoy the heck out of it, but the horse is doing all the work. So we have to understand that by us asking the horse to do anything other than eat, breed, or procreate, then it's it's not that the, what the horse wants to do. So we have to understand that we're we're encroaching on on them by anything that we ask them. Now, we also have to realize too that it should be okay for us to ask them a little bit because after all, we are providing health care, vet care, you know, all the nutrition, everything you want to give the horse, we provide that for them in exchange for just a little bit of entertainment. You know, we want that horse to do a little bit of something. So there's an even balance there. Let's call that an even balance. So if that's an even balance, then how can you get your horse to, to be more responsive? Well, I kind of, and, and do so with, with a happy heart, so to speak. Well, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but I'm going to reiterate. If anybody has ever had the privilege of raising teenagers. <laughs> That's what I've been thinking about the whole time you were talking. I've raised five of them. So I, yeah. So you know what it's like to ask them, hey, would you mind cleaning your room? Oh, God. Or would you mind taking the trash out? Oh, my goodness. So, you know, you you just read this body language. Now, they're they're smart enough not to tell mom and dad no. But at the same time, wouldn't you just like to have them do it just for once, either with number one, without you even having to ask them? But if you do ask them, wouldn't it be neat if they would just go, sure, mom, not a problem. And not say that sarcastically. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just love to. Um, yeah. So part of that is, is that we have to ask at the right time and we have to ask in a way that kind of makes them feel comfortable, I guess you could say. And, and again, I know this is kind of a weird little analogy here, but I say it and I say it the way that I do because it really makes a point. I've yet to have anybody forget this once I communicate it to them. If you want a teenage boy to take the trash out, ask him while he's at the trash can. Ask him when he walks by the darn thing. Hey, Johnny, while you're there, would you mind grabbing that trash and and taking it out for us? It's really hard and difficult for them to say no when they're right there, Mm. right? Because you know that they've got the opportunity and you've just given them the motive. (laughs) So all they've got to do now is just kind of follow through. Now, timing is so important to get what you want done. And timing is also important to set yourself up for an argument. For example, I wouldn't ask Johnny to take the trash out while he's sitting on the toilet because he could have all the greatest of intentions in the world. But mom, why are you bugging me? Can't you see I'm busy here? I'm taking care of business. So that's not a real good time to ask while he's in the bathroom. So oftentimes timing is part of it. Now, attitude can also be a habit. 
whether it be good attitude or bad attitude. So if your timing is consistently horrible, you know, you're asking the kid to take the trash out while he's on the phone with his girlfriend, you're probably going to have some resistance. If you're going to ask him to take the trash out while he's sitting on the toilet, you're probably going to have some resistance. So with our horses, the same is also true. Whenever you're wanting something, have the foresight to think about what you want and think about it in advance. Think about what you want. Think about, is it fair? Think about whether or not you can communicate it in a way that's going to be understood. And you see, you've got three of my four questions to success done right there. Think about that before you ever give the give the command or, or in this case, the request. And if you've set everything else up, and we've, we've done episodes on this before, set things up to be successful. So if you've set that up and then you ask, then there's really no reason at that point for the bad attitude. And if there is, in my case, we have to remember also that making the right thing easy, that's kind of what a lot of that means, setting things up, but also make the wrong thing difficult. Because now we're going to go to the fourth question, those four questions to successful horsemanship. The fourth one is, can you measure it? So again, let's go back to the trash can analogy. You ask little Johnny to take the trash out. Oh, yes. Okay. I'll take it out. And he does. Takes the trash out, does a beautiful job with everything except for the attitude. So we want to measure that, you see. How do you do on a scale of one to 10? Everything was super except for right about the very last, and he just kind of really sucked with the attitude. So the next time you say that you want him to take the trash out, you've got room for improvement. But does the improvement is strictly up to him, or has it got something to do with my timing? Has it got something to do with the way that I ask? So in other words, we can adjust everything to help develop a little bit more of that attitude. When you know for a fact now that you've just got you've eliminated everything else and now you're just down to the attitude, keep in mind too, make the right thing easy, the wrong thing difficult. So make it difficult for him to do it with a bad attitude. And here's one thing that I will do. I did it with my little redheaded daughter. (laughs) When Jasmine was very young, I remember I asked her to do something pretty simple. Like I think, in fact, it was take the trash out. Hey, Jazz, would you mind taking the trash out, sweetie? (sighs) Okay. She did a great job. She bagged everything up. She put a new trash can or a new trash bag into the trash can and she stormed out of the house and took the trash out to the trash big dumpster thingy. She she did a great job with all of that with the exception of her attitude. So as soon as she walked back into the house, good job, sweetie. I really appreciate that. If you don't mind, can I get you to clean the garage? And she, oh my gosh. So she got another little bit of attitude. She cleaned out the garage really, really nice and did a pretty good job with that, except for the attitude. And as soon as she finished that job, I complimented her on how well she did with it. Oh my goodness, you did a great job. Can I get you to wash my truck? My truck hadn't been washed in forever. Well, see, it didn't take long before she realized that every time she responded back to me in a negative way, I gave her more to do. And after a while, she began to realize that the only thing that could be improved upon about what she was doing was her attitude toward it. And then before you know it, even if she had to fake it, here's an old Zig Ziglar quote, fake it till you make it. In other words, what I wanted her to do, there's nothing exciting about washing dad's truck. There's nothing exciting about taking the trash out. There's nothing exciting about cleaning out the garage. There's nothing exciting to a teenager about doing those types of things. But when she realized that that was the one thing that kept causing her to get more stuff to do, she began to learn to control her emotions. She began to control that a little bit better. And as a result, the response was, yes, sir, I'll do that. And she did it not so much with a happy heart, but at the same time, the outward display of her actions was much more positive. Now, 
I also have to understand that no matter what, I have to still realize that's just an act. There's nothing about cleaning out the garage that was happy to a teenage daughter. There's nothing about going out and going on a long trail ride that's happy for the horse. There's nothing about loping circles or working on sliding stops or loading in a trailer. None of those things is particularly positive from the horse's perspective. But at the same time, we want to teach the horse the habit of doing things, quote unquote, with a happy heart. So we we have to watch for those little behaviors that they're kind of pissy about doing it and then just gradually start working on that. Now, I'm going to throw out another big thing that you've heard me say a lot, which is reward the thought. And we also want to say where you release is what you teach. Those are two quotes that I say to people all the time that are so incredibly pertinent to everything that we want the horse to do. For example, if I want to reward the thought, if I ask my horse to do something and he's beginning to start doing it and he's doing so with his ears forward, his tail's relaxed, in other words, he's not swishing in protest, then I immediately want to take the cue away from him. Because if I continue to ask while he's got a good attitude, then I might inadvertently reprimand him for having a good attitude. And then when he kind of pins his ears, but he does his job and I take the cue away, then I'm inadvertently rewarding him for the bad attitude. You see, so I've got to be very keenly aware of that refinement. In other words, like we were talking about Jasmine earlier about taking the trash out. She did a great job, except for that one part. When we measured her total performance, everything was good except the attitude. So we wanted to reward the attitude. And sometimes that's about being ahead of the game. Sometimes with Jasmine, I learned that maybe I could get her in a really good mood while she was standing at the trash can. Say, hey, sweetie, while you're there, that'd be a great idea if you could take the trash out for me. You see, in other words, I, I asked her to do something while she was very happy already. In other words, I was rewarding that by, by keeping her engaged in that thought so that whenever I gave her a chore to do, it was a little bit more difficult for her to be negative. I do the same thing with my horses. I concentrate on asking them to do a lot of things that they're really good at doing and that they're very proficient at doing. I know that they don't want to do it, but they're good at it. And horses are oftentimes, like us humans, we tend to be pretty comfortable. We tend to be pretty positive about things that we're good at. So I'll ask the horse to do something a little bit more complex while they're in that habit of success, while they're doing really good at something else, I'll introduce perhaps a more difficult task. And as a result of that, I'm creating that habit of positive, that habit of success, that habit of being happy. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it kind of goes along with something I I believe or have come to believe about that, you know, as human beings, certainly happiness is a choice. It's what we choose to think about determines our, our attitude and our mood. And I can see how working with a horse on something that they're good at can help build in them the, that habit of having a good attitude. Can we then go back to, for those of us who are maybe at a more elementary level of this, to, to really the question that started this, and I know you, you got a question from a listener about a conversation in their riding barn about how do you know if the horse is happy? What, what are the signs of a happy horse? And how, how can we, you know, we can talk about why it matters that a horse is, you know, happy and content or whatever. But obviously, we can't just ask the horse. So right. this kind of goes back to what we talked about back in episode 47 about having more knowledge about the horse helps us be a better leader. To me, this just feeds right into that. How do we know? Well, again, we, we really have to study 
the, the entire picture of a horse. Okay. For example, when I'm working with students on starting a horse under saddle, and it, in the very beginning, we're just asking the horse to, say, move around the round pen. We need to learn to read the signs when a horse is anxious, and which means they would probably be unhappy. I don't know too many horses or too many people that are happy when they're anxious, when they're worried, when they're concerned. And some of those signs might be to where the horse's head is elevated, elevated higher than the way they would normally be if they were standing underneath a shade tree, just kind of chilling out and relaxing. So when their head is elevated and when their eyes are very broad open, as if they are kind of concerned and on hyper alert, so to speak, uh, if their ears are like incredibly busy, as if their outside ear, in other words, the ear that's away from us, if it's really looking for some place to go, and meanwhile, the other ear is like locked in on us, it's just really focused in on us, which is a good thing. But if that ear is kind of locked in on us while the other ear is constantly searching and the head is elevated, those are all signs of, of major anxiety. Another thing that's a good sign or a negative sign is if that horse's tail is really tucked in. You know, we mentioned a little while ago about a horse protesting and maybe their tail is swishing, but what about when their tail is really tucked in? In other words, really kind of mashed down there, kind of in the crack of their butt, so to speak. Well, whenever that happens, we know, too, that that horse is showing signs of anxiety, hyper alert, protecting themselves. They're trying to protect those vital areas there that would be easy for a predator to tear into. So those are all signs that are something that shows the opposite of what we're looking for. In other words, those are signs of the anxiety and everything else. So what about the signs that would be when the horse is happy? And it would be almost the opposite of that. The tail is flowing behind them. It's not tucked in. The head is traveling at a much more natural position for the gait in which we're asking the horse to travel. Uh, their ears are a lot more relaxed. Hopefully that inside ear is still focused on us, but their ears are forward. Their ears are not pinned at backward. Uh, we want to read the, the, the horse's eye. We want to see the horse blinking normally. If the horse's eyes are not blinking and they're fixated, that means the horse is either anxious or they're focused on something they're about to attack. So, we, uh, and, and even that, we can we can learn to refine that observation even more. But if if the horse is not blinking, boy, they're fixated, and we need to we need to be aware of that. When I'm watching a horse that's about to attack something, you'll see uh, oftentimes the the eyeball kind of squint just a fraction, and you'll see even the the lines, I call them stress lines, right beneath the eye. And you'll actually see wrinkles there. And that's where that horse's facial muscles are so tense that they're contracting. And when they contract, they form that line there. That's part of it. The other part of it is they're reducing the, the exposure, the eyeball, by squinting just ever so slightly. And by doing that, you see they're protecting that eye. And they're, they're, why would they be protecting it? Because they're thinking either that you are approaching them and, and offering a threat or that the horse is thinking about being aggressive. The other thing I look for uh, in relationship to that entire body picture is the shape of the horse's nostril. In other words, if that horse's nostril is big and open and it's breathing in and breathing out normally, that's a really good sign. If that nostril kind of changes a little bit to almost a teardrop type shape, and then just above the nostril, that skin is kind of wrinkled and kind of stressed. That again tells me the horse has got a lot of, a lot of stress on their face. That stress is either from anger or from fear and anxiety. So all of those things are signs that the horse could be very negative. So those opposite signs would be the, the, the horse is either relaxed and or happy. And like you said, we can't just really ask them if they're happy, but we can tell if we start reading the, the more signs that the horse is relaxed, then we can assume there's at least that opportunity for happiness there. So if their nostrils are 
breathing rhythmically in the, their normal shape instead of that teardrop shape. There's no wrinkles above the nostril. There's no wrinkles beneath the eye. The eye is is wide and it's open, but it's blinking and it's relaxed. If the ears are soft and 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 when I say soft, if they're just moving normally and not moving like with a certain amount of intensity as if they're literally scanning the environment for a place to run to or a place to go, then we know that the horse is relaxed. When their tail is flowing behind them and it's not kind of tucked in or it's not jacked up and elevated like we may have seen them some horses do when they're playing and excited. And and if we're, if they're traveling, if we feel and see a rhythm to their stride that's very consistent and very efficient as opposed to choppy, then we, we realize now that the horse's body is relaxed. So being able to read all of those can really tell us a lot about the horse's emotions. I, I don't know if horses really have that emotion that we think of when we think of happy, but I think when horses are relaxed and they're comfortable with everything that we ask them to do, then I think all of those things are really positive and it makes me feel good. <laughs> I want to reiterate that. It makes me feel good to think that my horse might be happy when he's yeah. that relaxed. So it really comes from knowing the horse. And I think what you're talking about here for the most part is determining whether a horse is happy in a particular moment, in a particular circumstance. And from what you're saying, it sounds like that that just comes from knowing your horse. And probably there's a lot of benefit to just spending some time, you know, sitting on the fence, watching your horse and seeing how they look and observing all these, you know, very closely, all these things you've described um, when they're just, you know, grazing in a pasture and not under any sort of threat or any sort of stress, then you can see how they look when they're relaxed. Absolutely. And, and become, begin to learn the difference in how they, between that and how they look when you're working with them. If if they don't have some of those same symptoms, so to speak, they don't look the same way, then you can kind of get a sense of whether they're under stress. You bet. Well, see, two horses are, they're, they're creatures of habit and they love things to be consistent. You know, we as humans, we like to go do stuff like jump out of airplanes and parachute because, you know, we're, we're adrenaline junkies. Well, horses are not that Who's way. We? Yeah, well, no, I don't like <laughs> no. to do that, but you know, okay. there, there's, there's certain there things that, that people, <laughs> there are people. <laughs> yeah, there are people that, uh, that like to do things because it's, it is way different from their normal thing. And, and so we like to go experience all these new things. And sadly, we try to put that off on our horses. Hey, let's go swimming at the beach. And then we get there and we're so incredibly disappointed because the horse has never been to the beach before and he's freaked out by the water running at him, you know, those waves, because that's outside of his routine. I'll say that to all this to say this is that whenever we're watching those horses in their turnout pens or in the pasture, or in a paddock somewhere, even in the stall, we want to see the horse doing what would be normal for that particular setting, whatever that setting is. And when we see the horse doing something outside of that setting, there's something that's causing that. Either it's a physical or an emotional anxiety of some sort that's going to provoke that change. So one way that we can tell if a horse is happy is if they stay on a routine. Mm -hmm. If we turn them out and they, they're doing the same thing they normally do, if they're eating or they're standing under the shade or they're kind of rubbing and scratching on another horse or they're kind of playing on another horse, if all of those things are normal for that horse, then we can probably assume that that horse is pretty happy in his environment. If his normal behavior is to do those things we just mentioned, and yet we go out there one day and he's standing out in the heat 
in the sun and his head is down much lower than normal, uh, or he's laying down as if he's not just soaking up the sun, but he's laying down, he might be suffering from some sort of, some sort of stress, probably a physical stress of some sort. So in other words, we, we, we need to be able to judge both. Is, is my horse doing something that's pretty normal and he's doing something that's fairly routine? And if so, we can reasonably assume that he's pretty happy. If he's doing something that's not, then we can assume now that there's, there's probably something wrong and he's not happy. So again, it goes right back to what you said a little, a little while ago. Learning to read your horse, learning more about horses in general, and then over time, learning more about your horse. And when you, when you do that, then it's easier for us to assume that they're happy or not happy. I would think that in this analysis of whether a horse is happy or not, it's probably important to remember uh, also something that I've heard you say pretty frequently, uh, that they're not humans, that they are a horse and their perception of the world is not the same as ours. And their goal in life isn't, you know, like human being the highest level of human need is self-actualization. Horses aren't looking for self-actualization. They're not looking for accomplishment. They're not looking for the things that human beings want or need in order to be happy. They they kind of want to be left alone, I think. Right, but, yeah. You know, but remember that if you're analyzing whether, not just in a particular situation where it's all about being observant of, of your horse, but if if you're wondering whether in general your horse is happy with its life, maybe don't try to humanize the horse because their perception of the world is not like ours. That's, that's as accurate as I can think right there, Laura. That was great. Cause that's, and you're so right. So many times we just have to realize that it's a horse. And, and I say that about with almost everything that we do, you know, that, that if they buck, I'm sorry, it's a horse. You know, it could, it could be, it could go a whole lifetime without bucking. And then one day it does. And we can't be surprised by that. You know, well, like, well, I guess if we say surprise, but, but we have to realize too, that there was probably a cause for that. And that's just what horses do when they reach that point. We just have to realize that sometimes they're just horses. And I don't, I'm not saying that demeaning to them at all. I'm just saying that they're very simple animals, beautiful animals, great animals, but they're animals. And more specifically, they're horse. And if we can just buy into that and not try to put the human emotion onto them, and I, and I say that, but at the same time, you've heard me a million times use human analogies or car analogies yeah. or all these other types of things to help describe it, but I'm not describing the horse so much as I'm trying to communicate to the people, trying to paint a picture so that they can identify with it. But the reality is the more that we can identify with a horse as a horse, the more successful we'll, we'll, we'll be with them and the more accepting we will be of them. And uh, that's the key thing for all of us is to realize that number one, they're animals. Number two, they're horses. Number three, they're a breed. And then lastly, it's Flicka or whatever your horse's name is. You know, yeah. that, that personality always comes last. But what they will never be is they'll never be a human. They'll never be a dog. They'll never be an excuse for a bad relationship. In other words, no matter what the situation is, they're just a horse. And that's the glory of it. So, you know, to, to get back to the question is that, you know, how do we tell if our horses are happy? If they're not unhappy, if in other words, if they're doing things that you've asked them to do with kind of a happy heart and they're doing it with less resistance, which means that now they understand what's going on and they, they know what you want. All of those things lend to a horse <laughs> being happy, I guess. In other words, they're just they're, they're not protesting. So therefore, they must be OK with it. 
But the reality is I've got to tell people again, not, not to rain on the parade, but there's nothing that we're going to ask a horse to do other than when we walk out there and we let them go. There's nothing that we're going to ask them to do that's really beneficial to them. It's not a bad thing. Like I said, there's a trade-off. The trade-off is we do all this yeah. stuff for them. We provide comfort. We provide shelter. We provide food. All of those things that make their survival easier than if it was if they were out in the wild. But the reality is, is that all of those things are substitutes for that horse being what they really are, which is a, a wild free animal. So we, we have to realize that us asking them to do something is kind of a good trade-off for us taking such good care of them. Yeah. Well, I love this. There's a, a lot to be learned here in terms of, of just reminding us to be observant of our horses, of horses in general, learning more as this seems to be a theme uh, over the last couple of episodes of, of educating ourselves about what's normal for horses, what horses look like when they're at peace and what they look like when they're stressed out and, and being observant, taking the time to pay attention to all those, you know, the little components, whether it's the shape of the eye or the nostril or what they're doing with their tail or whatever, but to see that whole picture and see the little pieces of it. And the more we can do that, the better we're going to understand our horse's behavior and be able to, you know, do the necessary to be the leader that that horse needs. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's a lot of homework, isn't it? I mean, owning horses is so much more than just going and buying one. I mean, that's the easy part. Going and buying one is the easy part. It's the understanding of them that's the most difficult part. The thing that that I'm always reminded of is that it's it's always a never-ending journey. I'm amazed that the guys that that I look up to as heroes, some of which are still alive, and I just I I, I just so applaud that. Is that I'm so amazed if they're still involved with horses, how much more they know now than what they did only three years ago. You know, because because there's still so much more to learn, and it kind of as a result of that, the more we do learn about the horse for what it is. It creates that opportunity for us to have a much greater understanding. And when we understand, the more we understand about them, the more we can appreciate them. And it's a weird, too, how it always works. The more we appreciate them, the more we understand about them, the more success we have with them. Even if it's just, even if they're not performing, even if they're just going out there and loving on them, but the more we truly understand them, the more we appreciate just going out there and loving on them, even because we can see then. The, the physiological changes when we touch them. We can see all of those things. And part of that is just the interacting of two beings. I'd rather be a human and a horse, but those two beings, that interaction sometimes is so rewarding. And the more we understand them, the, the more rewarding that is. Yeah. So that, that's why I just encourage people, learn about your horses, spend time watching and observing and not watching from your perspective, but watching from a truly objective perspective and try to see things from their perspective. And then as a result, the more you can fill your mind with, with things from their perception, then the more understanding you'll have. And it's just, it's, to me, it's just really rewarding when we have that sort of relationship with horses. And, you know, in, and I know it works, and here's why, and I'm not boasting about myself at all, but whenever I travel to clinics, I very rarely nowadays carry my own horses to a clinic. And when we go to expos that are out of state or out of country, we never carry our own horses, and yet I ride or work with horses every time we go to one of those venues. And it blows people's minds when I say, well, I've never seen this horse before, and I 
work it on the ground for a few moments sometimes. And then other times I just kind of get on and go about my business. And people are blown away by, wow, how do you, how can you do that? How can you just go get on a horse that you know absolutely nothing about? And then you do a clinic as if that's your horse, you own it and it does everything you ask it to do. And that's, this comes from that understanding. In other words, once I understand the horse for what it is, that horse is a horse. I don't care if it's a halflinger or if it's a quarter horse or an off-the-track thoroughbred. They're all horses. And then I accept that. And then I understand, too, the way horses think. And if I understand the way horses think, and then I start asking myself those four questions that we talk about so many times, and I go through that process very quickly in my mind, then everything I ask that horse to do looks like it's successful. And it is to a certain degree because we're going through that four-question process. And to bring it back full circle, the more you understand, the more you invest yourself in understanding horses in general, your horse in particular, all of those things, not only is it more rewarding for you because you just get a greater appreciation of the, the animal and the relationship you have with them, but it, it, it gives you the other result that, that kind of launched this episode, which is your horse is going to be more content because you're going to be able to interact with them in a way that leaves them more at peace. Exactly. And that's exactly where I was headed with that, is that the more we make the effort to work with them and the more we work on our own communication skills, the more we work on our consistency of our emotions. In other words, the more consistent that we are, we set it up for the horse to be more relaxed. And when they're more relaxed, that opportunity for happiness is there. And so and again, I don't know if they, I don't know if horses really do exp have happiness. I just don't know that. You know, I, I wish I could say with absolute surety that they do, but I don't, I don't really know that because like you said, we can't ask them. We can only read their body language. And whenever I watch horses that are totally in the, in, in a big giant ranch setting or the horses that are in the wild, I can assume that whenever they're eating and they're grazing and they're just kind of chilling out with each other, that maybe that's horse happiness. So then in my environment, if I can kind of create that same body language, those that same softness in their ear, that same softness in their eye, that same relaxed, fluid body movement, then I can assume then that that horse is carrying that emotion and that feeling on into my environment. Then, and I know that I'm not the cause for any anxiety then at that stage, I can, I can hopefully assume that my horse is content. And if that's the case, I think that's, pretty, that's, that's a pretty successful day with a, with a horse. But I hope, that, I hope that addresses the question that we addressed today, and I hope it addresses it in a satisfactory thing. And if it doesn't, then I hope also that it encourages people to ask more questions about that. And I hope that the, the lady that submitted this question to us, I hope she listens to this episode, and then uh, if she has more questions, Send that to us at info at vanhargis.com, and we'll address that as well. Very I actually so. love questions. I love philosophical type questions like this to do with our horses. But because the reason I love the philosophical aspect of it, Laura, is that, and you and I have talked about this before, that I'm not a how-to kind of guy. When I'm teaching a clinic or, or an expo or whatever I'm doing with the horses, and I'm actually trying to communicate to another human being, I'm not so much worried about the how-to. And the reason why is because... There's probably a thousand different ways to get a horse to do something. You know, we've all heard the cliche, there's, you know, a thousand ways to skin a cat. Well, that's the same way I look at training a horse. There's the infinite number of ways to train one. Therefore, I focus on the why. Yeah. If you focus on the why 
you're asking what you're asking. If you focus on the why of what you're doing, if you focus on the why of your larger purpose, then it makes all of the how-tos, regardless of which how-to you prefer, it makes all of the how-tos have a greater meaning. So the more we can understand about our horses, why wouldn't we want them to do what we want them to do relaxed? And if we if we want them to do what we want to do relaxed, then we will eventually work pretty hard to whatever our how-to is to present the how-to to the horse in a way that keeps them relaxed because that's our why. And so that's really what that drives pretty much everything you talk about on this show. I and, uh, you know, obviously in your clinics and expos and stuff, that's something I've known about you from the first time Mike and I met you when we were considering bringing a horse to you, or that first horse to you for training. W- when we drove home, we said, oh, I've heard lots and lots of things about how to do things for horses. This is the first guy that ever told me why we do it. And now I get it. Yeah. And and that really makes a difference. And that's the whole purpose for this this podcast and a lot of other things you do is that that understanding. You bet. All right. Well, uh, lots of good things to think about there. And as you've said, uh, questions are welcomed, invited, follow-up questions to anything that, that we talked about today or questions about other topics that folks are running into and working with their own horses. Post them on the Facebook group, the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page, that is, and Van watches that and can respond or send your questions to info at vanhargis.com so that they can uh, respond to them in later episodes and probably in an email from him directly because I know you do that. For those who enjoy the show, again, I'm going to put out the request that you help us spread the word about Ride Every Stride. And the best way you can do that is to tell your friends, you know, share on your, on your social media channels about the podcast, tell people where to find it. Or when you're talking with your friends at the barn, tell them about the show, about the episode that you liked and and uh, grab their phone and, and, and with their permission, of course, and uh, and show them how to subscribe in, in to the podcast in iTunes. But help us grow the community and expand the conversation. Yeah, <laughs> we've uh, we've kind of gone on a little bit, so I won't spend a ton of time. But I want to encourage folks to visit the website at vanhargis.com. There are a number of things you're going to find there. You're going to find Van's calendar. You're going to see where he's going to be uh, in the week's coming up and later on in the year. And if you're looking at that calendar and you're thinking, well, shoot, he's not coming anywhere near me. I'd like to to work with Van. Send that email to, to info at vanhargis.com and ask, how can I get Van to come to my community to do a clinic? It's easier than you think. It's a lot of fun. And if you enjoy listening to Van teach on this website, you're going to love riding with him in the arena. Um, you, you just are not going to find a better instructor, a better communicator to help you improve and expand your relationship with your horse. And while you're on the website, don't forget to check the the link there for the top hand club. There are just, there are a few spots left in the, at the charter member level, which gets you into the top hand club at $4 and 95 cents a month. So much stuff. We've talked about all the things that you get for that uh, access, unlimited access to an ever-growing library of video tutorials that Van has done, demonstrating the things that he talks about on the show in a, you know in a video where you can see him do it and you can slow it down and rewind and play it over again till you get it. Uh, you get discounts on anything you want to buy in the store on the site, which you also want to visit while you're there. 
You get um, discounts for tickets to certain events that Van is doing. There are tons of benefits that you're going to get that are going to pay for you know a whole year's subscription to the to the Top Hand Club in a in very short order. So definitely check that out. Van, have I missed anything? I can't think of a thing, Laura. You always do such a wonderful job with that stuff. And but I do want to encourage folks though that, that I think the Top Hand Club is something we've we've worked on for. A, a very long time. I I wouldn't have been offering it the way we do at that $4.95 a month for our charter members if we didn't think it was incredible value because we really want people to to take advantage of that value. And like you just alluded to there a moment ago, the very first purchase that they make off our website or the very first clinic that they attend, that if they're a top pan member, already you've already paid for your entire year in savings. Uh, just from that product because everything that you get off our website, you get a 10% discount, at least a 10% discount just for being a top pan member. So uh, we're really excited about that. And we are excited to offering it to folks. And, and like you mentioned, we we're kind of running out of those uh, charter member spots. We, we limited that to a very specific number and we've almost reached that number. So we, we want to encourage folks to jump on board pretty quickly. It's going to continue. People can, can, will still be able to join, but you're going to pay more and it'll still be a great value even at the higher price, but heck, I'm a cheapskate. So why Me not too. do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So why not do it at the four ninety five a month? And it stays even after the price goes up. If you join as a charter member, your your price will stay at that four ninety five a month. That is four dollars and ninety five cents a month for the uh, as long as you're a member. Yes. So you're not going to get a better deal anywhere on the internet. So. Right. Uh, other than that, well, what do you Lord, got, man? well, as always, I just want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them for listening. I, I'm always humbled, quite frankly, whenever we look in to find out what our downloads have been for people downloading the podcast, and and uh, and I love the feedback we get from people. It, it's really touching. We've got one guy uh, in New Zealand who listens regularly, and the the life transformations that he's making because of this show is exactly why we do this show. And I, and I'll be the first to tell everybody I'm I'm big time horseman, but I do what I do because I love people, and I do what I do because if 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 I'm helping them understand their horses, then by doing that, guess what really happens? They also learn a lot about themselves, and that's what I love about the message of Ride Ever Stride. It truly is about horsemanship and humanship, and I, we we want to continue to get that feedback from people. It really makes my heart just really sing that we know that we're doing the right thing that we're we're. By, by, by delivering that message. So with that, thank you, thank you, thank you to all the listeners. Please share this with your friends. But Laura, with that said, let's just go ahead and wrap it up. And I want to tell everybody to remember, it's your ride, it's your trail, it's your journey. So ride every stride. Ride every stride.